but August the 25th last year, 2016, I was at work and I was in a, actually presenting some stuff when I was in a meeting and I had my cell phone with me and I saw that the uh, TBI number popped up. So I stepped out to take the call and uh, the woman on the other end, TBI agent, uh, Kathy Ferguson, she said, hey, Johnny, she said, don't want, don't want to alarm you, but um, we got a phone call from East Tennessee and they have a girl in custody. This is Johnny Carter. And at the time of this phone call, her daughter, Bethany Markowski, had been missing for over 15 years. She was sending me pictures, and I ran out to my car and forgot my glasses and had to get a friend go. Anyway, I looked at the pictures, and the girl had a mole on her boob and, and on her left side, and and she told me, when you see these pictures, this girl has lived a hard life. This news from the TBI originated in East Tennessee, in the Knoxville area. Bethany allegedly went missing from Jackson, in the western part of the state. So, over 300 miles away from Bethany's abduction site, and one and a half decades later, Johnny Carter begins to have hope, again. And actually, one of the original case managers with TBI, Scott Lott, had gotten transferred to East Tennessee, I think Knoxville, uh, years ago. So he was off of Bethany's case. And so, you know, he was up there. And so... So even though Lot wasn't on Bethany's case any longer, Johnny felt that she had in him someone she could trust in the area to act as a liaison, someone who would shoot straight with her. But he said he was on the fence. He said, man, it, 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 it could be her, you know. The girl had a different color hair and stuff, but... Anyway, I never had Bethany. Basically, the story that I was told was um, this man and woman had come home like in the wee hours of the morning and out somewhere in the country and... uh, on their front porch, this girl was laying there, wet and dirty and no shoes. And they asked her if she needed help, and she said, yeah. Well, I think she thought they meant food and shelter, but they called the police. And, and evidently, and she took off, and the police found her. And this was like on a Wednesday, and they put her, you know, she went to the hospital. Well, then Friday, well, they couldn't, she kept saying, I don't know who I am, and I don't know how I got there. So Friday, they started talking to her. And they said, so what is your name? And it was so weird because she said her name was Sarah Nicole Jackson. Well, Jackson is my sister's last name, and Nicole's her daughter's name. And they ran in it, wasn't her. She gave another name that was a, another Jackson name. And uh, Bethany disappeared from Jackson, Tennessee. Over the span of 16 years, Johnny has received her share of possible sightings. More on that in a future episode. And after so many dead ends, I can only imagine that one would have to learn not to let their hopes get too high. But this was more than just a sighting. So then they said, you know, who are you? And she said, I'm Bethany. And they said, Bethany who? And she said, I'm Bethany Markowski. They ran it and they're like, oh, 
you're missing, you know. So then they took an age progression of Bethany in there, and they said, who's that? And she said, that's me. And then they took a picture of me and Bethany together in there, and they said, who's that? She said, that's me, and that's my mom. When's your birthday? February the 1st, 1990. I'm Brandon Barnett, and this is Searching for Ghosts, Season 2. Where is Bethany Markowski? Bethany's fingerprints were never put into a database. So in scenarios like the one in 2016, answers come at a snail's pace. And in the waiting, you can see how everyone involved has their hope renewed. One might even start planning for the future. I mean, this girl had similar physical characteristics. She claimed to be Bethany, even knowing her birthday. It was Bethany. I'm a big advocate and a national spokesperson for fingerprinting. And that's one of the things, you know, there are several occasions that... I never had Bethany fingerprinted. Never thought there was a need for it, you know. If I had, I'd have never gotten that call, but I didn't. So they had to use DNA. But what, 30 hours or so, they had to fly DNA here and there, and, and they tested it. I mean, it was a Friday, and they said, oh, they wouldn't get the results to Monday or Tuesday. Couldn't handle that. I left work. Of course, my family came, friends came, and we were basically having a, welcome home party, you know. I remember Megan, we're standing by the kitchen, and Megan looks at me with tears in her eyes and says, you know, what if she don't remember me? You know, it's like, oh. You know, and of course, a million things were going through my head is, you know, what if she hates me? What if she blames me? What if she doesn't want to come home? You know, I got to buy her clothes, and she needs a car. You know, all the stupid stuff that doesn't really matter. And then in one phone call, all the planning, the worries about purchasing cars and clothes disappear with any joy and hope. There is nothing left now but more questions. Um, so we waited and waited and waited. And they did the DNA test and they ran it three times. And the next day, the uh, phone rang. It was her. I was kind of facing everybody. I was standing behind my couch and looking out and... Basically, she said, Johnny, I'm sorry to tell you this. Well, as soon as she said, I'm sorry, you, you know what comes next. And the only words that I could think to ask is, um, why? Why would somebody do that? And then I was like, how did she know Bethany's name? That's not a common name. Yeah. Well, how did she know her, her birth date? How did she keep, why did she keep throwing out the Jackson name? One thing that you'll learn about Johnny during the course of this podcast is that she is as tough as she is tender. She knows how to get things done. She is instantly likable, but is tenacious when it comes to Bethany. It appears that her tenacity is a trait that she has had to develop after Bethany went missing. I don't want to speak for her, but from what I know about her past, this wasn't always the case. The Johnny I know, I like to think of as a happy warrior.
Once they found out it wasn't Bethany, it wasn't really any of my business. But through me getting a little, you know, sassy saying, you know, take your cop hat off and put your father hat on for five minutes. What if this was your child? Um, I found out what facility that she got sent to. So I called them and, and, you know, it's a mental health facility. And I asked if she was there and they said, well, due to HIPAA, I can't tell you if she's here or not. And I said, well, I know she is. She got transferred there last night and, you know, blah, 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 blah. Here's who... Here's who they say she is based off her fingerprints. And she said she was my daughter, and my daughter's been missing for 16 years. And the woman said, oh, honey, you need some answers. Do you want me to give your number to the caseworker? Which made me know she was there. Nobody ever called me. Um, and eventually, I'm, I don't know how long she stayed there, but she was released. One of the things I kept bringing up to Scott was, how did she know Bethany's name? How did she know the birth date? How did she know that picture was of me? How did she know that was an age progression of her? You know, and he said, she still, back then, you know, she still says she don't remember where, how she got where she was or anything. And one year later, you could still hear the hurt, the confusion, and the anger that this has caused. Not only with Johnny, but in her friends and family that were at the house during this interview. And it's frustrating. I know she's none of my business because she's not my daughter. She put herself in that position, though, yeah. and she was never questioned anymore because maybe she might have known because she wouldn't have talked because she wouldn't know? talk and they couldn't make her. That you know, been together at some point, That's and they didn't file any sure. reports again. Any they didn't do they didn't arrest her for anything. You know, so. Well, that's what I was wondering. You know, was she in sex trafficking? Did she know Bethany somehow? Was Bethany? You know, how did how did this all? How did she come? They should have questioned her. She wouldn't talk, and and then Scott said, you know, we did question her. She kept saying, "I don't remember." We can't make her talk. We can't make her remember whether she does or not. It. We just can't make her talk. Did they diagnose? Did they diagnose her with anything? She was none of my business. I don't know. Because I mean. If nothing else, to, to get you from stop to stop wondering mm-hmm. if she was like a paranoid schizophrenic, she could have seen a flyer somewhere, and, and in her mm-hmm. mind, she made came it to back be to me. her. Yeah, yeah, and, and that right there would at least let you go. Mm-mm. All right, she no, is none of my business. So I still, you know, a year later, over a year later, I'm still wondering: Is this Amanda girl? How does she? How, you know, where did that come from? listen to season one of Searching for Ghosts, you know that getting people to talk, especially Casey's immediate family, was damn near impossible. Bethany's family, however, is the complete opposite. This season presents a different set of challenges. <laughs> I'm having trouble keeping up with Johnny. She texts me every couple of days with new people to interview, but I'm definitely not complaining. This is a good problem to have. Johnny is a podcaster's dream come true. Lori Jackson, Johnny's sister and Bethany's aunt, explains why they decided to do the podcast. I think that was the point of that kind of we talked about it because she had asked me and she runs a lot of things by me mm-hmm. before um, 
She said, what do you think? Should I do this? Should I do this podcast? And I told Johnny, I said, you know, I don't care if two more people hear about Bethany. It'll be worth it. You know, because and that's always what she's, I mean, she's had Bethany's face on a race car, you know, and she's she's had, you know, as many, you know on, on a golf bag, bag you know. Any, you know <laughs> she was opening page for AOL for a whole month. Johnny has had 16 years to think about her daughter's disappearance. She can now see things that she wishes she had done years ago. One of those things is talking to the media. Johnny did what law enforcement expected of her and never told the full story until now. I had never had a missing child. I didn't know the rules. I didn't know what we were supposed to do or what we weren't supposed to do. Or So basically for a lot of years, a lot of years, I did what people told me to do. And, you know, looking back, and I'm thinking, I made so many mistakes in this case, in in finding Bethany. Number one being, and I I still don't understand it, is right after Bethany disappeared, we went and stayed at Marahost, and they, uh, they, man, they protected us, I swear, like we were the president or something. If you called and asked for me, they wouldn't put you through. You had to know my room number. You know, I guess just so many people were trying to get to us, and it was mostly media. And I don't understand why, but uh, law enforcement kept me from the media. They kept me hid from the media. Uh, What were you driving? And it was the only one. Some kind of no, some kind of BMW or no Mercedes Mercedes SUV. It was my husband's. Yeah, and basically it was the only one. So you know, in Nashville, and I mean in. Jackson and kind of drew a lot of attention that in the five foot poster of Bethany missing <laughs> on the side of it, you know. Yeah. So you know they kept us hid and, and they escorted us to and from the police station and you know would take us out the back when the when the media was in the front and I you know I would again just doing what everybody told me to do because I'd never done this before and I'm thinking you know years later how. I should have been in the media. I should have been screaming and yelling for my daughter. I should have been telling everybody, you know, instead of hiding in a hotel room. And uh, it was really weird. Weird thing about this hotel room, for some reason, the uh, fire alarm in the hotel kept going off. And uh, we were, Lori had opened the window one day or something, and I, anyway, the media was going by real slow. and. It, and it was a scary thing that I was being hunted by the media when it was really a good thing. And I should have been out there, you know, screaming and hollering. And and law enforcement even said the same thing. You know, hey, we've never really dealt with this, you know. And they Even still, Johnny has reservations. But she holds to the belief that she's tried at law enforcement's way for 16 years. Now it's time to try it her way. I've been wanting to do this for so long and now... There's still a nagging part of me saying, don't screw this up. What is there to screw up? Nothing. In season two of Searching for Ghosts, Johnny will reveal facts about Bethany's disappearance that have never been made public. And I don't just take her word for it. I check up on this as much as possible with this still being an active case. But what becomes clear early on is that there is much more to this than a typical mall abduction. 
In fact, the looming question that has haunted this case for 16 years is, did Bethany even make it to the Old Hickory Mall in Jackson, Tennessee, that cold day in March 2001? Hey guys, Brandon here. Want to support Searching for Ghosts and look cool doing it? Well, now you can, and just in time for Christmas. The SFG store is up and running. We have three designs to choose from, including the tree shirt that was inspired by the leaning tree from my front yard that was featured in the Season 1 cover art. We have multiple colors to choose from, t-shirts for men and women, and hoodies. I'll have the link in the show notes of this episode. You can also find the store at the top of the Searching for Ghosts Facebook page. Your support will help us keep SFG going. Thanks, guys. On the next episode of Searching for Ghosts. Jackson, Tennessee is my hometown. It is nestled on Interstate 40 about halfway between Memphis and Nashville. I stumbled across an article from 2004 about another kidnapping at the Old Hickory Mall. A person interviewed in the article expressed shock that this had happened. Well, I didn't even know nothing about skating. I just, that's just something new to me that I learned yesterday. I was like, well, I never knew I was supposed to go skating with her. Would I you? just saw her that Sunday. She, I, she was coming to tell me bye. I started calling his cell phone. And uh, it was going straight to voicemail every time. I called his cell phone just constantly back, just kept calling and calling, calling and calling. And actually in between, I saw I said, what's going on? Where are you? He said, um, I'm at the mall. And uh, he said, I'll let, he said, uh, I can't find Bethany. Uh, so that's, that's the thing that just rings to me to be where the, where the lies started in my opinion. Right. If you have any information about Bethany Markowski, no matter how small you think it is, call 1-800-THE-LOST.